Hello and welcome to a new episode of Private Equity Talk. I'm Real Deals reporter Jennifer Forrest and in this episode of our podcast we'll be discussing everything about the competitive edge that a focus on improving sustainable practice within a portfolio company can do for returns at the point of exit. I'm joined by Beth Houghton, partner and head of impact fund at Palatine Private Equity and Eric Osmundson, partner at Verdane. Hello to you both. Um, Eric, I thought it would be a great place for you to start if you maybe talk us through what areas of sustainable practice are most often embedded into a value creation strategy within your firm? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, being a uh, a growth private equity firm, uh, you know, in, in Nordics, uh, Germany and the UK, you know, we um, we like to think of, 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 of the North here as a Nordic laboratory of, uh, you know, the intersection of new technology and sustainability and sort of thinking that, uh, you know, we have governments and consumers and businesses really being at the forefront of, of those uh, of those megatrends. So we, we, we try to sort of uh, uh, think that, you know, when, when, when you're there and you feel the, the pain points of new technologies being brought to bear, that's, that's great because you find a lot of companies trying to solve those problems. And specifically, uh, we're trying to, uh, to then uh, invest in sort of the energy transition theme, uh, resilient communities theme, uh, sustainable consumption theme, where we're finding a, a lot of companies that you know, uh, are, are, are new. And Beth, did you want to talk us through as well the sort of sustainable areas that that are deemed important by Palatine within value creation? Yeah, I mean, from an ESG uh, perspective, uh, we take quite a holistic view of um, sustainability sustainability and and value creation at Palatine. Uh, We have our six pillar framework of ESG, which covers uh, two environmental pillars, three social and then the governance pillar as well. Um, and uh, we assess that across all of our portfolio companies, um, pre-deal and then post-deal when we've done the investment as well. I think we look at materiality as well. So really important for us is that when we invest in companies, we're looking at the material ESG issues, uh, whether that be environmental or social, and we'll prioritize uh, those issues initially, but we try and help companies across all of our six pillars uh, of ESG. And Beth, and within those sort of um, investment practices and investment themes, how do you plan for those during the holding period? How do you sort of plan for sustainable practice and the improvements that you're going to make to the business? Yeah, so ESG is uh, embedded into our value creation approach. Um, So I should say Palatine's been looking at ESG for for 12 years now, um, and certainly initially, it was more about risk mitigation um, and understanding businesses. As we've evolved our ESG uh, practices over that time, uh, we started to, to embed ESG within value creation. Um, so it is part of uh, when we um, start to look at an investment of a company, we start to talk about it right at the very start. So the first time we meet the management teams, we'll start to talk about ESG and value creation alongside each other. Uh, we will then develop our strategy on on value creation and, and ESG along, alongside the management team as we go through the exclusivity process. Um, and then post-deal, um, we have a baseline review on, on our ESG um, that looks at across all of our six pillars. Uh, we'll look at uh, the performance of the business to date and then also the opportunities that we feel the business has going forwards as well. Um, and uh, we'll do that in quite an in-depth report uh, on ESG with our with our management teams there. 
Um, and then we, once we've identified those opportunities, we feel we've got uh, across across our six pillars, we'll then embed that within the value creation uh, plan and the value creation process uh, for management teams as well. And Eric, did you want to talk us through um, how is ESG considered within the 100 day plan when you invest in a portfolio company and how are achievable goals set out at the beginning of the holding period? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, let me let me let me just start by saying that uh, you know um, I, I was an operator for ten years before becoming a partner in Verdain. So I was the CEO of the second largest recycling company in the Nordics, and um, you know uh, we we had to work with sustainability as a core competitive lever within that company for you know the past ten years, and so. Uh, uh, it brought this company to the 11th, you know, most reputable place in Norway. You know, it, 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 it doubled the margins of that business. So I've seen sort of firsthand the power of uh, sustainability, how that can, you know, unleash all this energy in a company and towards, you know, the employees and the, and the customers and suppliers and so forth, right? So, so, so uh, you know, I, I don't take this as a sort of a top-down approach. I think about it as a bottom-up approach where we all the, already in the investment phase, we identify, you know, it's not a tick the boxes type of thing. You, know, you identify where lies the biggest opportunity for this company to really sort of move the needle on, on, on sustainability. Uh, and then we make sure that we agree with the management and sort of the other co-owners that this is in reality where we can make the, the best impact. And then we bring that forward into the 100-day program as you asked for, you know, because then we have already decided where do we want to sort of uh, create this impact and how should we how should we uh, measure it specifically how should we scale it what type of budget should we create for it what type of uh, action should we then take to our partners in the value chain how should we incentivize it and so forth so but it's all a part of a uh, just like Beth said this uh, is it's from from you know all the way from the get-go and until sort of the exit process uh, if you will and on that topic of management how do you how do management teams take to sustainable improvements being made within their business? Is it something they're really keen for or is it something where you have kind of experienced some sort of resistance? No, I, I think those days are, are are over. You know, many years ago at this uh, this year. I mean, they, I think I would I would flip the, that question around, saying it would be very very difficult to engage management teams unless you had this stance. And so, so I think that uh, you know this is uh, it's 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 gone to a point where you know we gauge intentionality and whether the intentionality of the impact is true. It's not you know something that's just on page three of the presentation, but you know it's something that has been already discussed with all layers of the organization with their customers supply as part of the sales dialogue and, and, and so so I think it's uh, in, in all these dialogues uh, it's taken as a very very positive thing that we are on the same page on this and it's it's a key part of the value creation lever for that for those companies. Beth are you seeing the same sort of thing with Palatine? Yeah I think I think so I think it, it has changed though so certainly when we first started to talk about ESG 12 years ago uh, there was more resistance from management teams. You know, it was a new concept, particularly at Palatine, because we're investing in the lower mid-market. Um, it was a new concept for many people. Um, and, you know, it did take a bit of effort to, to convince management teams to, to take some of the initiatives on and take them seriously. Um, and it, in those days, we used case studies a lot. So, you know, we... Um, explain to management teams via case studies the benefits that ESG could bring to their organization. 
Uh, but as Eric said, you know, it, it's changed dramatically um, in the last four or five years, but even more in the last 18 months. Uh, and now, you know, management teams are coming to us saying, you know, at the first meeting saying, you know, we really like Palatine because of their ESG stance and how can you help us? And we're seeing loads of engagement uh, from management teams now. And I think that's what's interesting about the, the part of the market that we invest in. I think there's a lot of management teams that are really wanting to do the right thing. Uh, but maybe they don't have the in resource internally or they don't have the knowledge uh, to do that. And I think that's where private equity houses that are taking a leading stance on ESG can, can really help management teams as well. And we can support them uh, through that process. At, at Palatine, we have two in-house sustainability experts as well. So we can bring, bring resource to the table to help those management teams on their journey that, that maybe they don't have um, internally in their own organizations. Is it something that sort of gives you the edge during an auction process? And if it becomes more competitive, is it something you kind of use as leverage as putting the ESG into the value creation process? Yeah, definitely. I mean, with our stance on, on ESG and, you know, Palatine is now, I mean, we went through a rebranding to more align our branding as well with, with what we do. So, you know, our branding is now positive equity. So uh, we put it front and center in terms of when we're speaking to management teams. And I, I certainly think, you know, because we've got that, uh, that backlog of examples and case that is what we've done on ESG, we can, we can talk to management teams about that. And it certainly does give us an advantage at the moment. However, I do think, you know, ESG is top of the agenda for, for most private equity houses at the moment. So I think a lot of people are now putting a lot of resource and, you know, I've seen, uh, in the private equity industry on LinkedIn, you know, lots of people hiring their own internal ESG people as well. So, you know, and that's what we wanted, you know, at Palatine, we've been really proactive in promoting ESG in the industry. We, we've been doing that for many years now. Um, so, you know, it's great to see that the industry as a whole is now really embracing ESG as well. And then with both of you, I sort of want to look at much further down the holding period as you're about looking to exit a business. Um, looking at the sort of financial returns of a sale, do you think that adding this that kind of sustainable edge during the value creation four or five years prior can be used to leverage a higher price? And have you had any experience of this happening? Eric, do you maybe want to start? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, you, you see that in, in scientific analysis. I, I just read the report by GCA Altium saying that uh, there's a, on average, a 15% ESG premium, you know, on multiples. So, so I think that's, you know, you see that reported. I've, I've seen that in the sale of Sortera. I've seen that in the sale of, you know, my, my old business. But I think it's, 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 a, it's a twofold thing. I think uh, what, what we do is that we really, we, we, we believe in the moral obligation. And we, we, we like sort of the marketing ploy of it, but what we're really going after for is the competitive edge of doing this, right? And with the competitive edge, I've seen, you know, businesses where we have, you know, uh, five times the EBITDA based on moving this dialogue away from a price only public tender market into a you know, partnership oriented sustainability dialogue. You know? So so I've seen that type of efforts on the EBITDA level. And when you get the the, the the multiple expansion as well based on growth and uh, and ESG 
then, then that is a very that's a, that's a very potent mix. Uh, and I think I think you see that um, you know we we try to we we have an in-house developed approach for how we gauge uh, whether something is impactful or not, right? And so we try to to use that on our our, our history, you know, of of, of investments, and we have you know. Uh, several hundred invest, investment companies that you know that we've, and if you only look at the ones that we've exited, uh, what you see is that the ones that are uh, scoring you know highly on impact versus the others, uh, is a 3.7 times multiple on on the rest and a 6.3 mul uh, times multiple on money on the ESG ones. So I mean that, that both numbers are really high, but it's it's I mean, but but to consider 6.3 times that's that's amazing. And that's definitely a massive sort of leap up in the Mulder pool. Um, Beth, did you have anything to add? Because I understand that Palatine's recently published a report on these on these returns. Yeah, yeah. So we just did an exercise. So we've been collecting. We have this six pillar framework that I mentioned before, and we do a numerical scoring across the six pillars for each of the businesses that we invest in. Uh, we update that numerical scoring on an annual basis and then exit we obviously update it for the exit in order for us to do the esg exit review um and we have just gone through a process of of mapping that to returns on the business as well um, and we went into it with an open mind to say okay let's see if, if there's a link between companies that score really well on the esg and companies that, that give the best returns and we found a really strong correlation um, ac across those two metrics. Um, and you know, not only uh, companies that score better on ESG deliver better returns, but also companies that improved the most as well on ESG um, were the highest returns uh, for Palatine as well. So there's a really strong correlation there. Now, it's a little bit difficult to do a cause and effect. So it might be that the best management teams embrace ESG more and therefore the best management teams deliver you the best returns as well. It might be that there's a particular pillar in ESG that really moves the needle. So we have a people pillar. Is it that pillar that's really moving the needle on return? So I think there's a lot more analysis and we are expanding out that analysis now at the moment and we'll hope to deliver a much more comprehensive report. But there's certainly from the evidence that we've seen internally within Palatine, a very strong correlation between ESG performance and and returns on those companies and i guess that whenever we talk about returns and esg performance we have to talk about the lps um do you find the impact of esg on returns is something you're having to discuss more and more with lps we've sort of discussed this leap in in the return money multiple i'm sure lps are absolutely loving that um eric mm -hmm. do you really want to filter through your conversation yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I mean, only going back to 2017, I remember sitting in a hotel room in Boston, striking out the word impact because uh, impact, in some people's view, were were you know lower returns. Uh, and I think that uh, that 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 is not the case any longer in the type of discussions we are having with our LPs. You know, they we 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 have the same returns uh, and impact. And uh, in fact, we actually believe in higher returns, as I, I just alluded to in you know in the money multiples previously, right? So so I think this this sits very well, and I think that uh, it's it's a key part of any discussion with our LPs at the moment, and uh, they're very very interested in in this work. And I think that. Uh, also, uh, you know, we are trying to move the needle on how to 
do impact investments. And I think that, you know, uh, to, we, we have to be honest. We, I mean, we don't know how. We, we, we are trying to just learn from the best. We're trying to, to, to expand by our own knowledge, but then to be very, very open with, with others, you know, uh, not now hopefully with Beth and, uh, and, and with, with our LPs to have an open book on how we do it so that we can learn from each other and then to really sort of, uh, uh, again, move the needle even further on, on impact investment. So I think that's a, an approach that the LPs like. They want the returns, they want to have the impact on the world and they want to be part of moving this industry forward. And Beth, did you have anything to add on this LP? No, just I agree, totally agree. I think back in 2017, impact slightly different from ESG. So, you know, we, we I should say at Palatine see ESG as how a company delivers its goods and services. We see impact more about what a company does as its core business. Um, so, um, but certainly back in 2000 and, and, and I think, look, I think investors have always got that ESG. I think it's been difficult to link that to returns. And I think now, we're getting enough stats to link those to returns. I think that's really great. I think investors have always been really positive on ESG um, and have always you know, been very uh, positive on what we do on ESG for sure. And has always seen it as a benefit, I suppose, what they haven't necessarily, what they are starting to do now is insisting and not only insisting that, 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 uh, that pre private equity houses have a policy, uh, but insisting that private equity houses actually implement that policy and there's evidence that that policy is being implemented and what are the outcomes from, from that as well. So I think that's really moved on. And I think, you know, obviously investors have always been positive on ESG, but now they're starting to say, right, okay, what is the evidence that you are implementing this across your portfolio? Um, on the impact side, you know, back in 2017, as, as Eric said, you know, we were having to do a lot of convincing that you could generate private equity returns from an impact strategy. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about that with with uh, with LPs, and you know, I think we spend less time talking about that now. I think that link between impact and returns is there. You know, with you know, there's some great examples now um, of exits within impact funds. Um, and so I think investors are getting that concept now as well. Yeah, and, and, and I would just like to just add to that, that I mean, I love the fact that our, our latest fund actually has an impact carry. So it's an impact carry element where, you know, we, it's the, the, the impetus is on us to prove that we are actually having input. Uh, impact and so so and and that that you know that that goes down even to our you know uh, private equity compensations. So I think that's that's beautiful because then then you we're all on the same page trying to do the right thing. I think. Do you think this idea of impact carry something more and more private equity firms are going to be taking up in in the not too distant future? I think so, and I think it's going to be bigger. But uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll see. But I but I but I hope so because I think it keeps everybody honest. For sure, for sure. Um, where I sort of want to finish this conversation around um, returns and ESG is around um, lessons. You, you mentioned earlier, Eric, about how nice it is that we can sort of learn from one another with with this, especially with the LPs. Um, for any of our private XC friends listening, what is one sort of lesson that you think they could learn about how to improve the returns? by improving the sustainable methodology within a portfolio company. Eric, do you want to go first? 
Yeah, sure. So, so, so I'll, I'll go back to where I where I started. In the, in you know, you have to think about the 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 return of the firm. And uh, you know, my old firm, uh, we were the fifth largest transportation provider here in, in in the Nordics. And so everyone had the idea that look, impact or you know or sustainability must come from uh, uh, battery vehicles. You know, that th- that would be hugely sustainable. You know, on, on, on an environmental side. But you know, we had we had this thought that look. That's right. We have to do that, and we cannot be a laggard in terms of electrifying our fleet. But that's not that's not a sustainable competitive advantage because you know we we can we cannot buy better vehicles from Scania or or or, or, or Volvo than anybody else. So this is a hygiene factor and not the competitive edge. So what we can do in that firm was to look at the materials. That's really difficult. The materials knowledge, the new technology to create better, more recycled materials that we can be different on. It will be hugely impactful. Uh, It will be something that we can differentiate on. And so my point of this whole story is that I think that you have to spend time on, you know, not ticking the boxes, not taking sort of the obvious things, but to figure out, you know, what on one hand really matters and at the same time, really differentiates you. And when you when you spend time trying to figure out those both two, two things in parallel, then I think that can have huge impact on, 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 the, on the returns as well as, as your impact. And Beth, any final thoughts? Um, well, I think we've learned a lot over the years. And I always say um, ESG is a journey, not a destination. So we are learning all the time. So, you know, you, you never sit and think, right, I'm done on ESG. You, you never are. There's so many more things that you can be doing and it evolves. And that's what makes it a really, really exciting industry as well to be to be a part of because it's, it's continu- continually evolving. I think, you know, some people can get a bit overwhelmed by ESG, um, you know, if you're trying to start now and there's lots of regulation coming in and, and it can be a little bit overwhelming, I think. Um, and so I usually say to people, just start somewhere. I think it, it, it can paralyze people from actually just starting doing anything with an ESG. So, you know, just, just, just if you start along your process, you know, start at a point in time, but then have a commitment to get better every year. Um, so you can't go from not to 60 in, in you know, uh, straight away. Uh, it's taken Palatine 12 years to get to where we are today. Um, and so I would say start somewhere, uh, have that commitment to get better every year and understand that it is a journey, not a destination. Yeah, and, and, and I would just like to sort of uh, to sum it up. My, my, I think our, our favorite SDG is number 17, cooperation. And I think that's what's going to take to, to move it, move this here now. So, I mean, I, I would just like to take the opportunity to say, look, yeah, anyone who's struggling with it or that want to sort of cooperate, share ideas, you know, figure out how to go to, from nil to 60, you know, reach out. You know, we are available. I'd love to be to be able to, to discuss these ideas with anyone on the corporate level or on, on LP level or, or, or other GPs. So uh, just reach out. Yeah. Now, um, we've just published... Um... Our ESG journey over the last sort of 10 years, a report as well, which has got lots of really great tips and hints and, and details what we've done on ESG o- over that time. So that's, I think that's a good place to have a look if you want to get some ideas for sure. Amazing. What a great note to finish on. Seth, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me through this. It's definitely a really interesting one.